Good evening, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Livingston, Montana. What the hell does this have to do with Oregon? <laughs> well, I'm still a native Oregonian at heart, um, but we're doing a show now. We've expanded what we're doing. And so we had a couple of investors come in and say, we'd like to see more than just what happens in Eugene and Springfield, Oregon. So we're reaching out to all kinds of places. And tonight's a great example. We're going to be in Lakeview. We're going to also be down in Florence. Um, I'm going to show you a couple of things going on here and uh, to make Kim laugh just a little bit. Um, the other thing we want to thank our sponsors, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, because we couldn't do it without them. And um, Michael's whole theme is where everyone is welcome, despite what your back status is. He doesn't care. He wants to make sure your dental health is taken care of. And it's really hard to work on people when they have a mask on. Anyway, um, I digress. And um, Michael um, is doing something. It's going to tie in one of our other sponsors uh, for tonight's show is Roser Real, Real Estate Company. He was my realtor, sold our house, brought a little trailer for me said, I don't have much stuff to throw away, filled that sucker to the brim. Um, but he's doing something every month where they want you to nominate, I'm going to put this up here, a business that you think could just use a little free publicity, a little bit of marketing for free. And he's going to give away $200 worth of coupons to that business, to people like you for nominating them. So he's going to hand those out in $20 increments, but every month. So once a month at the end of the month, we're going to do his show. They'll come on, tell who the, who the uh, winner is. We'll, we'll give that place. Like last month, it was Swallowtail, uh, do free promotion for them. But it's people you are nominating to us. So just go to leads at rosarealestategroup.com. And that's how you get that information to us. And so what ties in with that really super nicely is I don't know if you guys have been listening to KPNW where Bill London, we're kind of heavily connected to them. But Dr. Bratlin has a new uh, commercial he's running out there. And that ties in because he's doing the same thing. He's trying to promote. He's heard that Trudy's having a rough time because um, she stayed open during some of the pandemic. And that made some people angry, made a lot of other people happy. But she's having a tough time. So he put this together. This is Dr. Michael Bradley from Cristano. Some businesses have been hit harder than others during this pandemic. One such business is along came Trudy. Since day one, Trudy has fought hard to resist government overreach and tyranny. I'm asking every listener to join me and show Trudy how much we appreciate her stance by doing business with her. In the next month or so, stop by for lunch. Show her that what she's doing matters. Together, we will make a difference. That guy's got guts. He really does. And Trudy could use our support right now. Um, how do you nominate people? That's how you do it. Leads at rosarealestategroup.com. Don't put them just on the sheet here on the comment section like this because nobody's going to see them. I, I thank you, Wendy, for not nominating Patty's stagecoach, but you need to go in here and send it to that address. That's how it's going to get to the right people. I'm just I'm just a nobody. <laughs> I just run the show. <laughs> So anyway, let's start. To, I want to give you our open. We're going to start that off. And then our first topic tonight is something that always gets a lot of action on here. <clears throat> the Greater Idaho Movement. Um, you know, all these people that want to join Idaho and get out of Oregon. because it's But there's reasons. So we'll get to those in just a second. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... 
og se hva. And Bill Leonard will be along in just a few minutes to give you your daily news, but we're kind of moving that down in the scale here a little bit because we got some people that we want to get on here really fast. And first, we're going to stop off in Lakeview, Oregon with Mark Albertsons. Um, no relation to the store, I take it, Mark. No, a lot less money, too. <laughs> now, Mark is a, minus a few zeros. Mark is the uh, county commissioner. One of the three. Do you guys have three in yeah, three? Three county commissioners in Lake County. And they've done something. They're kind of moving forward with this uh, this Greater Idaho movement. And so, rather than talking to the Greater Idaho people, I wanted to talk to you because tell people what you have done as a county to kind of push this forward a little bit. Um, let me give you a little history. Um, we were actually it's a court order that we have to meet meet three times a year as a county commission to discuss. Uh, the Greater Idaho Movement. When the Greater Idaho folks first came to us, it was brand new. We had a lot of questions. I had a lot of doubt that it was ever going to happen. Um, they're gaining momentum and there's now 14 counties that are in line to join the Greater Idaho Movement. And so when it came on the ballot, I don't want people to be confused. It was, it's not that we're going to Idaho if we vote on this. It's, we want to discuss going to Idaho. And so we're doing that. And so I've been in contact. So we contacted this last time we met with the greater Idaho. Mike McCarter is the, the uh -huh. president. Uh, Mark Simmons is the vice president, and Mark Simmons used to be a state representative who lives in Elgin, Oregon. Um, I talked to Mark on the phone today. Um, we're lining up a time to meet with the Idaho legislature and possibly the governor. And so Mike, uh, Mark's going to take care of that, and we're going to go from there. But... But you, you and I were talking on the phone the other day and you were saying, really, um, whether this happens or not, isn't the, isn't the big deal. It's that it's that this is a crux that's it's bringing to light a big conversation that often gets ignored by urban Oregon, especially the Willamette Valley, um, because they just write people off. Well, you know, that's if you're not happy, leave. That's and it's like a lot of your families have lived here for 200 years, 150 years. You've got landowners there that have been here. They don't want to leave Oregon, their land, no. and they don't prefer to leave Oregon, but they also would like to have a damn voice in state politics here in Oregon. Exactly. My family has been here. We have a century-old branch, you know, the century-old qualifications. Um, we've been here forever. I don't want to leave um, but when you have a supermajority in the House and the Senate of Democrats and a, uh, a liberal governor, that it's it's crazy. We don't have, we're the redheaded stepchild of Oregon. And um, so you talk to that, Mark, talk to people a little bit. You and I were talking and you said how many people in the Republican Party didn't even vote last time. Okay, that's, so, that's so, hurting you guys yeah so 
let me run you a little story. So as as you probably heard last year, we were in the fight of our lives in the middle of COVID to save Warner Creek Correctional Facility, um, right. an Oregon prison. The governor has led over a thousand convicted felons out, and now she's seeing the repercussions of that. And she was going to close our prison, stating that it was run down this, this, and this. When in reality, it is the second newest prison in the state. It's ge geothermally heated. It's a green energy facility. Um, it's brand practically brand new. I toured it when I was there. Right. It's I can't, sorry, I don't have the date. Two thousand and twelve. And how many? How many families? Really, family wage jobs. These are state jobs. So it, it it was one hundred and fifteen state employees that work there. That's not counting their spouses that work in different places. Their children. We'd lose eighty nine kids in our school district. Um, it would have devastated us. So you guys, you guys saved it only because. You had a really strong presentation that you went in and sold the governor and made and caused her to change her mind um, right. because of your presentation. Because the people in Coos Bay and North Bend, they weren't so lucky. Yeah, that our presentation, um, just to be frank with you, was probably the best presentation I've ever seen. It oh, just everybody Every was on point, did everything correct. But one of the things that I want to make clear is is that we had been given this information to the governor's office the whole time. And the governor never responded. And right. so um, one of her people um, was on this call, this video conference call with us, the one we were sending the information to the whole time. When we started talking, you could tell the governor had this look like, this is the first time I've ever heard this. Right. And then and then her dude just kind of hung. He said, I've played enough poker in my time to know that that guy didn't do his job or he didn't want to do his job. So, you know, if you can close a prison in eastern Oregon, that's not your constituents anyways. Who's going to hurt? What is it going to hurt? And so. So you, do you think like I mean, I think there's a lot of people in the valley who think that greater Oregon and eh, they're not even concerned about it, but they're not looking at the deeper issue here. This is a ton of Oregonians who right. are frustrated as hell right. because of situations like what you just said. Right. Where people are not. It's uh, the, the state is basically looking at this one population center and saying we're doing everything for them because that's where most of the people live. And then you got people up and down, you know, even even on the Oregon coast and Gold Beach and places like that that are just basically forgotten. And because yeah. I've had people even in Lynn County write me and say, how do we get into this greater Idaho thing? You know, mm -hmm. and, and the point is really to start a conversation. But you're serious about joining this movement if it doesn't happen, if the, if Oregon, if the Oregon legislature doesn't start listening, if this next election doesn't change and, and get rid of that supermajority, you guys are gonna keep pushing forward with this. Right, so going back to the prison, there's actually a, a reason why I brought the prison up. While the governor hates me, so I kind of stayed in the background working on plan B. And plan B was Senate Bill 19 that I worked on with Senator Finley and Representative Reschke. Um, Senate Bill 19, if the 
state closes down Warner Creek Correctional Facility. Lake County gets the property and the facility to do with, with what we wish. It's valued at $24 million. And so they're not going to just leave it and let it rot for our community to see all the time. So that was my plan B as a little security blanket. Same way with move Oregon border. This isn't the optimal plan. This is plan B, C, D, Z. Um, and going back to what you asked, when the governor ran against, um, was it Bueller or one of the Republican candidates, Oregon, Eastern Oregon only had 35% voter turnout. If we'd have had an 80% voter turnout, we wouldn't be here right now. And so what, what's wrong with the whole situation is, is I've never wanted to be in politics. That's the last thing I wanted to do for a living. But I had to, you know, the quote that says, evil abounds when good men stand idle. Yeah. I would, Eastern Oregon folks want to be left alone. Rural folks want to be left alone. You know, you can do your thing. Just leave me the hell alone. Well, we've done that so long that they're knocking the crap out of us now and we can't afford to do that any longer. Right. And um, we have to rise up. And so if we do not rise up and Tina Kotek gets to be governor, you have not seen anything yet. Right. It's Governor Brown on steroids. And I'm guaranteeing there's going to be rioting in the streets. They're not, people are dying. You know, we legalize meth. Um, the housing problem, it's, it's absolutely nuts. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on here and talk with us. And uh, we'll keep you on the, uh, the, the docket here so we can find out more as you guys keep moving forward. Okay. Appreciate it, Rick. Thank you for All your right. time. Thank you. Nice seeing you again. You too. All right. That's rural Oregon. Um, I'll tell you what. And uh, Mark is right. He, there's a lot of people in rural communities that are serving people um, when uh, that's not really what they wanted to do. Um, hi, Kim Stark. How are oh, you? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? So Kim Sark's joining us now because she has some stuff for us. But Kim, before you start your, your spiel, yeah, um, I wanted to show you what Kathy and I woke up to yesterday. We had snow. So the place we're staying, we get snow, right? Oh, yes. I've got to see this. We hired this man. And look at this guy. So all of a sudden, we look out the window. <laughs> and we're like, what is this? And it's like Santa on a... On a sled. Yeah, that does look like Santa. What's he doing there? He, she, the people who own the Airbnb, they hire him, and he comes in and moves all the snow, and even off your stairway, and oh the sidewalk in front of your house. So when Kathy and I buy a house, I, I then look. He looks like Santa, doesn't he? <laughs> I'm gonna take this guy with me. I'm gonna hire him to come live in my home on snowy days. There you and, go. And and do his thing. And I also oh want gosh. to tell you that we found a gym. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, good. We got our, our workout in. We got that stuff going on. We got new machines. This is like this really cool machine. Um, it kind of makes you go sideways like you're skiing, kind of. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and then they have a Jacob's ladder. I don't know if you've ever seen those. So those ladder things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're kind yeah. of scary. So, anyway. Do you have a pool or anything? Probably just the equipment, right? 
No, yeah. we're going to have to drive to Bozeman to swim, but we'll figure yeah. that out. We just need a house first. So, Kim, I heard, I heard that uh, Bettina down in Florence is doing some creative stuff again. It's like, I know. what is it? I mean, anxiety is a big thing, and they're going to help us all take care of it. So you I take know. it away yeah. and talk okay. about what she did. We'll see what she did. She worked her magic, so we're going to have Bettina join us. And she's at a conference right now, and we're we're bothering her during her conference. Thank you so much for joining us tonight to talk about this. Thank you for helping us get this word out. I appreciate it. Can you hear me okay? I can totally hear you. I hear you great. Okay, so tell us about, so Bettina's here, everybody, because they have an event coming up in Florence and it's called Turning Anxiety into Peace. And the speaker, um, Courtney, is actually a well-known author and TED speaker. So tell us about her and how you how you got this to happen. You know, um, the wonderful thing about this is, you know, some of the pandemic brought some things that were not great, but one of the things that, you know, we've all learned how to leverage is Zoom Zoom. So we're able to do this. So it's not just a Florence event, it's a global event. And um, we reached out to Courtney because we recognize that in our area here, it, you know, in the, on the Oregon coast, we've got a lot of burnout. We've got a lot of anxiety. We've got people that are not functioning the way that they normally would function. And with winter coming, long nights, short days, a lot of, you know, just anxiety that we, maybe we should get a professional speaker to come and talk to us and see what kind of assets we can have. And, you know, I'm going to tell a quick little story and I'll keep it as short as I can. But back in 1984, I lived on the Canadian border in Idaho and I, my first husband and I were very, very poor. And I'd been very poor for several years. And I finally had a reliable car. We'd bought a nice, you know, a house with running water and electricity. And I got a job in town. So I, on my way home one day from my job, I, it was a rainy, or not a rainy, because it doesn't rain, it snows in the wintertime in Sandpoint, Idaho. And I was on my way home and I heard this noise in my front right wheel. And I thought, I was so accustomed to being poor and the poverty mentality that it was only seconds it took me to say, you know what? I'm going to have a car repair that I can't afford. I'm going to lose my job because I won't be able to go to work. I won't, since I don't have a job, I won't be able to make my house payment and I'm gonna be homeless. And right about that time that I, I, I had these thoughts, I came over a hill. It was winter time, it was icy, and I thought, there's a river down there. Maybe I'll just drive into that river and call it a done deal. And I managed to not drive in the river. Wow. I got home with my hands uh, white knuckling all the way home. I got home, called for some help, couldn't really get it. And one of my favorite preachers is Kenneth Copeland, and he, he was on that weekend, and he said, um, you know, here's how you change your mind. So what I did was I created a list of the four things that put me on what I called the train. And, and then I went to this Bible and I said, here's what God says about those four things. And I wrote it out and I signed it. And I said, from this day forward, whenever I have one of these thoughts, I'm going to say what God says. And that's how I changed my mind. Well, we've got a lot of people these days that need to help to change their mind. And so by the way, I, I, I did change my mind. When I got my car into the shop the next week, guess what it was? It was a rock in my hubcap. What? I almost, I almost killed myself over a rock oh, in my wow. hubcap. And that's what the same anxiety that people are having these days. Right. And I really right. felt like that this is really a critical message that we need to get to people of the resources, how to A, stay off the train, and B, if you're on the train, how to get off the train. And so we reached out to Courtney and she caught our vision. She normally gets $30,000 for an in-person presentation. She gave us a killer deal. 
Peace Health came alongside of us and said, we'll pay for her. And then I went to the Oregon State Chamber because I sit on the Oregon State Chamber and I told my story and they said, we're going to share this across Oregon. So all 85 chambers across Oregon are sharing this event. It's $10 to chamber members. It's $25 if you're not a chamber member, but there's a scholarship available. If you can't afford it, it's no problem. Just click the little scholarship button. Have a Zoom party at your house. Have a Zoom party at your office. Pack your lunch. Yeah. Come and, and find out how to turn your anxiety into peace. And, you know, the chamber is behind this because we champion a thriving community. And mental wellness is really part of that. Sometimes we think that the chambers only care about money. Well, the chambers care about money because money is how you pay the rent and, and uh, keep yourself out of the creek, right? But in the meantime, we were inviting everybody, school teachers, healthcare workers, anybody that's breathing, that's got anxiety to join us February 9th at noon. Florence time, but we've got people watching from around the world. And I just really appreciate you guys giving me the chance to tell my story and to invite people to come and, um, and share in this amazing opportunity. And, and we're super excited about it. What's, what's, how did they tune into it, Bettina? How did, so I can put that on there. The, the, it's www.anxiety2peace.com. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y-T-O-P-E-A-C-E. Dot org. T-O, and what's the part after that? At anxiety2peace.org. Okay. Sorry, I I'm trying to find a place that's quiet around here, but you've got 390 crazy chamber people. That, that's okay. I love, you're not, the thing that's really, we can, yeah. can like, I think you probably noticed this too, is, is she has, she has no passion for this whatsoever. <laughs> you know what? I, you know, it, Healthy, healthy, thriving communities support our people. You know, I, I've said it for years. Poor people can't help people. We need people. We need businesses to make money so that they can pay their staff well. We need the employees to make good money so that they can take care of their families. And you know what? If, if we don't make enough money, we don't have any money to give away, which is my favorite thing. And that's how we support our Boys and Girls Club, our Rotary, our churches. So this is all, you know, the chamber has, that's the hat that we wear. But at the same time, you know, we are, you know, we have to have a, the, the healthy mental wellness to be able to do it and to be a part of it. That's right. awesome. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to share this. And I know my story can be a little bit of a Debbie Downer, but it's really, I think it relates to a lot of people right now. A lot of people. A ton. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you sorry. I, well, I think there may be something biting on your leg right now. Well, I'm always up to my elbows and alligators, but right now there's just a bunch of chamber people around. They can be dangerous, really. You they know can be, you know, but they, they, we all have a heart for what we do. And it's such a, it's a, it is passion. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm guilty of having a passion for, you know, helping people and, and building that thriving community where we can all, you know, have a little bit of extra to give away, whether it be mental wellness or money or faithfulness or you know, getting that rock out of your hubcap. Patina, thank you. Thanks, you guys. Kimmy, your signal's a little frozen, Kim, and you're a little blurry. So, so I'm, I'm going to pull you out good tips to get. Yeah, you're kind of blurry. Thank you, hon. I'll see you later. You know, it happens. 
maybe Kim's had too much to drink tonight. <laughs> I say that when she's not on, so she can't defend herself. She's pointing at me from the green room. Rick, I can take care of her now. Um, so now that's what small towns are about. It's about Mark uh, working for his community. It's about Bettina trying to, to knowing what needs to be done. And for people that are suffering with anxiety, um, get involved. I mean, honestly, get involved in your community. Get involved with what's going on. The best way to get, for me, like for me personally, the best way that I can get my head, I struggle with depression, and the best way I can get undepressed is when I focus my energy on other people and stop thinking about what's going on with me. Um, and when I put that focus on a community or a place, then things can change. Um, and here's somebody who is an old Florence guy, uh, Jason Sharp. And he and I have had some really big loving conversations and hugs and all kinds of stuff. And we know each other's shit. And that's how you, that's how you do life is when you know each other's shit. So let's find out what other shit's going on in Oregon. Here's Bill London with your little daily news wrap. From the news radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW studios. I'm Bill London. I host the Wake Up Call, 6 a.m. to 9 on KPNW, and also you can hear us at KPNW.com. All right, so before we get into the news, I have been asked this question, I don't know how many times over the last couple of days, but got it in the form of emails, I've got phone calls, I've had people just coming up and asking me about it. And it's a question, and also in some cases, it's a misconception. And so I wanted to clear it up. And that has to do with the mask mandates. Now, there's still a lot of people who believe that the Oregon Health Authority made the indoor mask mandate permanent. Well, so far, not true. Here's what the OHA made permanent in the mandates that were made permanent a few days ago. One was for K through 12 schools. And that is, if you're going to be in a K through 12 school, you must be wearing a mask. That includes kids and teachers and anybody that's volunteering. Same goes for most healthcare facilities. Those were made permanent. Two other rules that were made permanent, which the Oregon Health Authority keeps saying, well, it only means there's no expiration date. Well, yeah, duh, that's kind of what permanent means. Anyway, the other uh, mandates that were made permanent are vaccine mandates for people working in schools, teachers and the like and also for most healthcare workers. Now, the general indoor mask mandate, the one that continually has people wearing masks in grocery stores and restaurants and shops and shoe stores and auto repair places, the tire store, that has not been made permanent yet. Actually, the temporary rule will expire coming up on the 8th of this month. So it's expected that the Oregon Health Authority is going to be making a decision on it very soon. Probably, likely what they're going to do is just let the clock play out on that one and then file with the Secretary of State's office. This is sort of a follow-up on the story that we reported yesterday about the new report from Johns Hopkins, and that had to do with the effects that the pandemic had and how the lockdowns and all the other things that have been done were essentially, for the most part, with a few caveats, useless, worthless, and actually caused more harm than good. 
Well, now there is a new study that was released today from Oregon State University, and they found that the disabled are more at risk for negative mental health impacts from the pandemic. What they found was that 61% of the participants had probable cases of depression, 50% had probable cases of anxiety. Kathleen Bogart is an associated professor at OSU and was one of the folks that worked on the study. And she said, we found that disability stigma and social isolation and worries about contracting COVID were the most likely causes. Now, Bogart says that the community, those who are suffering from disabilities, that community, were already more at risk for social isolation. And the pandemic just made things much worse. Another issue, and if you think back, you'll remember this, mixed messaging from health officials about how people with disabilities could or should protect themselves from COVID, which Kathleen Bogart says added to the risk of anxiety. Well, Two different facets of society have carried the largest weight of the coronavirus pandemic, and that would be, of course, healthcare and also education. And those two divides have vectored at Oregon schools, where nurses are more short-staffed than ever. Now, a goal was set a long time ago by the Oregon Department of Education, and this was prior to the pandemic, and they wanted to have one nurse for every 750 students. Well, in a recent report by the Oregon Education Association, they say there is currently one nurse for every 4,572 students. What's interesting about this is that the state ran a blue ribbon task force back in 2015, all right, so doing the math there, oh, that's seven years ago. And here we are seven years later. And the nursing shortage hasn't gotten any better. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. This is the way Oregon works or doesn't work. All right, taking a look at some things going on in the legislature. Yesterday, we told you about that pro proposal, which now all of a sudden is being called a mystery proposal that would change the way vacancies among Oregon's U.S. senators would be filled and it set off a wave of speculation, mostly about Senator Ron Wyden, the Democrat from Oregon. And people were saying, well, he's going to opt out of his reelection bid or he's going to get reelected and then he's only going to serve a year or two and then he's going to quit. Well, the questions about Wyden in the proposal intensified yesterday when this new proposal was brought up in the House Rules Committee for the first meeting of the 2022 session. It's labeled as LC-282, and the way that is listed is a controversial form of submitting legislation without including the name of the bill's author or who is requesting the action. Now, House Minority Leaders, we told you yesterday, Vicki Breeze Iverson, a Republican from Prineville and vice chair on the rules panel, said, why are we doing this now? And the committee chair, Representative Barbara Smith Warner, a Democrat from Portland, said, I don't know. She said it just came to us from a source that she repeatedly refused to identify. 
And that lit up Twitter with the idea and people suggesting that Wyden wasn't going to run, Wyden's going to quit, and so on. Wyden's spokesperson, Hank Stern, said the Twitter-driven scenarios were, in his words, silly and uninformed. The proposal would allow the governor to replace a U.S. senator with the same system we use for replacing Oregon's executive officers. Essentially, the governor finds somebody from the same party as the person they're going to replace and sticks them in there. Well, that's what would happen if this bill were to pass. So GOP activists are speculating that it actually is going to be a vehicle for a Democratic governor to replace Wyden if he redraw, uh, withdrew from either the race or just withdraws from the Senate after he wins re-election. Stern, that's Wyden's spokesmodel, says he doesn't know where the proposal came from and they have no role in its drafting, presentation, or possible instruction. And after the House Rules Committee on Tuesday, the legislation's still in committee, and at this point, no further action has been scheduled. Okay, so this is how the legislature is going to deal with last summer's heat emergency, where at least 100 people died during that triple-digit, incredibly hot, freakish heat wave. House Bill 4058 and Senate Bill 1536. They have been drawn up. They are now in the legislature in committee. So here's how it would work. House Bill 4058 would give millions of dollars to the OHA for air conditioners and heat pumps to give out to folks during weather emergencies. And if somebody isn't eligible or if there aren't enough units, then Senate Bill 1536 kicks in and that would be free transportation to a cooling center. Mot my, my light fell down. Yeah, that's right, right there. This is real live stuff here. Moda Partners, a subsidiary of the health insurance company, has given former House Speaker Tina Kotek a healthy campaign donation of 10 grand. Now, she's the Democrat from Portland who wants to seek the Democratic nomination for governor. Until now, Moda has kept a very low profile in state politics. State filings show its contribution to Kotek is the largest that has ever been made by them in an Oregon race. And it comes at kind of an interesting time for Kotek, who resigned her legislative seat on the 21st of January to juice up her lackluster fundraising because she can't do that while the legislature is in session. And so far, she has depended heavily on organized labor dollars. Now, in a way, this is actually an offshoot of the organized labor connection. You see, MODA offers medical coverage through the Oregon Public Employees Retirement System to union employees. It covers them for just about everything that Medicaid won't. And they make a lot of money offering that coverage to former Oregon employees. So, yeah, they're tight with Kotek, who is the union-favored child in the gubernatorial race. And proof of that is MODA spokesman Jonathan Nicholas, who said as much in a statement and implied the endorsement. He said, we've worked with Tina Kotek for many years and have a great respect for the role she played as Speaker of the House. We're confident that as governor, she will be a strong and visionary leader for our state. Now, in reality, let's be honest, this is an insurance company. They could care less about vision and strength. They care about paper, 
paper with pictures of presidents and security strips. And finally, how do Portlanders feel about their picturesque Mordor of the Pacific Northwest? Glad you asked. New polling conducted by DHM Research and funded by the Portland Business Alliance revealed glowing optimism among Portlanders. Importantly, this is how Portland likely voters see their city. This was not a poll conducted among voters viewing Portland from a distance. So the key findings, the optimistic findings. 88% of Oregon voters polled said that quality of life is getting worse, up from 49% in 2017. How early were you able to tell that I was using optimism in an ironic way? 62% of voters polled say that the Portland region is headed on the wrong track. That's up from 26% in 2017. 81% of voters view city council as ineffective when it comes to providing public services. And 90% said in an upcoming election, they plan to vote for the candidate they think will stop Portland's crime problem, an orange traffic barrel. Okay, the last one was a lie. I made that up. I'm sorry. Bad Bill. Bad. Bad Bill. All right. So it's time to roll out the red carpet of real with Rick. Get real, Rick. <laughs> okay, Bill. Hey, Bill, thank you for your news. Thank you for your coverage and what you're talking about on here. And thank all of you for joining us this week uh, from our new uh, office here in Livingston, Montana. We'll be back Monday and all next week, uh, five o'clock. Um, go in and subscribe. If you hit the little bell on your page, it'll uh, it'll uh, tell you every time we're on the air. So tomorrow, Kathy and I are going to look at three different houses, see if we can find someplace to live for permanent. Um, so wish us luck and we will see you on Monday right here on Get Real with Rick Dancer at five o'clock. Have a good night. Share this on your page if you can. Appreciate you. See you later. Good night.